Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, why are people into that, listeners? It's Halloween, also known as the month-long holiday some people call October. And you know the Pleasure Chest loves to support your exploration of being some one or something unusual. That's why for the entire month of October, you can get 50 to 70% off select Halloween apparel, accessories, and lingerie at any Pleasure Chest store. If you prefer to shop online at PleasureChest.com, you'll get a free mystery trick-or-treat bag curated by a sex specialist with every online purchase from October 25th to October 31st. Now, the New York, LA, and Chicago Pleasure Chest stores will also be offering special cosplay and costumery classes, including an animal play workshop taught by yours truly. Follow at Pleasure Chest Stores on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for updates, and have a safe, slutty, spooky Halloween. Matthew, aka Cité Bontemps, how are you? I am good, how are you? I'm good, I really appreciate you giving me permission to not try to pronounce your name en français, because my three years of high school French uh, didn't teach me much. Honestly, I was so in, I I am such a faux francophile, like I have no (laughs) French background whatsoever, but I just... I really love the language. I also took it in high school and in middle school for a really long time. And so uh, when it came, like, I've gone through 15, like, 15 different drag names. But when I hit here, I was like, ooh, correct for my poser self. Yes. <laughs> well, what is what is New York City, if not the perfect place for maybe vampires to hide in exactly. plain sight, as we were just discussing? Yes. Or to, you know, be as pretentious as you want to be. As possible. <laughs> <laughs> so you already mentioned that Cité Bontemps is your drag name, mm-hmm. is your latest in a string of drag names. Yeah. Do you identify as a drag king? Uh, sort of. I, like, now it's really switched a lot, and we can come back to that. But yeah. as of, like, right now, I'm really in this, like, kind of amb- ambiguous femme identity with Cite. Nice. Um I've come I've come to that now. But I do I still do drag kinging and I also do burlesque. Cool, cool. Yeah. So yeah, you you do and you are amazing. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and that is part of the reason that I wanted to have you here. I, I, I really want to talk about why are people into burlesque and I really like the idea of talking with somebody who as far as I can tell is like part of a new-ish, newer mm-hmm. wave of burlesque that is about the abject or about uh, definitely about like gender fucking and 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 being gender queer, mm-hmm. um, but also bringing in elements of horror and elements of of that just make people uncomfortable. Just yeah. fucked up, just anything, <laughs> fucked a- up shit. any fucked up shit, you know. Whereas like it would be really interesting to do. To also do a wired people into burlesque with someone who like is like car- classic. Exactly. Who's like carrying on a tradition of like, you know, fan dancing mm-hmm. corsets and garter belts and all of that stuff. By the way, I love it all. Yeah. Like, I you mean, know. who doesn't love watching someone completely own themselves on stage, whether it be like, oh, I'm just going to casually stick this broom up my ass or <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to look tantalizingly wonderful with this fan artfully placed in front of my breast you know what i mean like i i feel like both both really catch your attention they, they sure yes they sure do whether you are slowly peeling off a satin opera length glove finger by finger right. or like somebody is like pulling out like a giant tarp before your performance yes. and you're just like i don't know what Bum liquid in. is gonna be involved <laughs> in this is it gonna be 
blood? Is it going to be slime? Is it going to be wine? Like, you know, maybe all of the above. Like, it's all great. They're all different forms of performance art. And Mm -hmm. and so, uh, but I also do, and I did have, uh, do you know Johnny Blazes? I know of. Yes. Johnny Blazes is a good friend of mine. And many years ago, we did a little bit of a a conversation about drag on the show. And, And Johnny, I think, I think you and Johnny have a lot in common in the sense of sort of bringing a gender queer or like gender fluid identity to drag and using like maybe even like traditional crafts of dance or performance, but then just bringing in things that are like, yeah, anything, anything fucked up. So I I really, now I'm realizing I like need to get somebody who is like a more of a traditionalist. (laughs) Really? So what's, what's your story? Like, how did you, how did you become the drag boylesque burlesque bizarre any person i am today. like yeah creature that you uh that stands sits before me uh <laughs> now like yeah what's your i just stand on a pedestal the whole podcast the whole Here time I, <laughs> I think it all started honestly it all started with drag race Mm. because it came out when I was 13 mm. and I was so excited because we had cable because I lived in the s- suburbs of Florida mm. <laughs> and I was able to get logo and I was like so excited I had really liked RuPaul for a long time like mm. I like I watched Tu Wong Fu when I was younger is RuPaul in Tu Wong Fu he, like minutely yeah she crowns she crowns Little Latin boy in drag. Uh, John Leguizamo. Yes. Yeah. She crown she crowns him at the end in a pageant wearing like a Confederate flag dress and Whoa. a blonde wig. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, that's I have crazy. I I haven't seen Tu Wong Fu. Thanks for everything. Julie yeah. Newmar. Yeah. Is the whole full name of that movie? I haven't seen it in a long time. Has that movie aged well? I don't know. You know, I haven't gone back and watched it either. I imagine there are some issues yeah (laughs) i imagine there are some issues but it was also like everybody looks gorgeous everybody looks like the three but so it's it's patrick swayze john linguizamo and wesley Wesley snipes Snipes, which i'm still super surprised wesley snipes took that job yeah but completely into it yeah still so i saw him in that and i was like "Ooh, who's that at the time rupaul you you mean yeah rupaul Yeah. yeah at that time you don't really you can't really flex what's different and what's not like for the longest time i didn't really realize they were drag queens right when i was younger right and then i realized as i watched like a couple more times like they're talking about the adam's apple which again i did not know when i first what that was the first time i watched it and they were like oh they're they're boys these are men you know what i mean and so as i grew up with that i was like really excited and so when drag race came out when i was like 13 i was like super excited to watch it so we watched the whole season it was like me and my mom from time to time like watching it and i would (laughs) it was really cute actually and like me my mom and my dad watched the season finale all together like he was cooking dinner and he was like okay i guess i'll watch this and he was like what's going on (laughs) like i'm i'm here and i'll take this but i don't know what i don't understand but you know hey do you could be worse exactly truly it could could be much worse yeah yeah at that point i was like wow i really love drag i really love drag queens i'm really excited about this so i watched drag race all the way up until i was 18 so like i basically like in my puberty brain was like mulling through all of these situations Mm -hmm. that i'm seeing on television i'm really excited about it i don't have a lot of access to the internet at the time either so i'm not like it's not as communal as it is now interesting yeah you know so i'm not sharing these experiences with many people except like in my so the experiences that you're talking about are like seeing queer exactly yeah mostly men definitely like some contestants on drag race have either identified at the time or have come out as trans women i I think pretty much everyone in those first four seasons they came out afterwards queer people dressing in yeah in elaborate drag and and do all of the all of the performance right like the costuming and the makeup but then also things like lip syncing and things like doing comedy right like those are the kinds of things that yeah what specifically was it that was so stirring to you about the show so for the first three seasons, I was like, I was I was a theater kid. So I was just like, performance in yeah. this way is so different. It's because it's like, it's self-propelled. You know what I mean? Like, it's not scripted. It's not any of this. It's like, you're taking like 
things that you really enjoy and you're just putting them all into this to this character that you've built of your own volition and that's that was really interesting to me as a performer just mm-hmm. in general because mm-hmm. I had just and you know I was in performing arts high school as well so I was oh, like cool. just stirring up like all this kind of like where am I what am I doing yeah that was the most stirring and then we get to the fourth season and that was Sharon Needle season now ah. this was pivotal to me because Sharon was such an underdog. Yeah. And she was such like a weirdo. You know what I mean? And if people are for some reason not familiar, Sharon Needles, like part of what makes her so distinct is that she had this like horror, this like dark goth horror aesthetic, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It was all very specific for her. It was like there was, it was a full blown, like I am scary aesthetic for sure needles you know what i mean i am scary and you will love me exactly and that was what that was what the shit was you know i was like whoa like where what's happening in that time period like sharon needles was super crazy to me and i was just like what you know and then i think i think the next season is when detox comes into the picture and jinx wins so those two seasons jinx Jinx and Sharon's seasons were like super pivotal to me because in between and above and in those moments is when I came into my like gender identity. Would you want to tell us yes. a little bit about your gender identity? So I am trans masculine by gender. I think people automatically put me into this box of a trans man, which is fine. I would prefer that above like being called actively a female, you know. Some of the things that I do on stage I can do because my dysphoria flexes between feminine and masculine Mm, so that's very well put yeah yeah and even now being in a being in a group of people who are very tightly wound to their specific trans identities i i realize and i have i've put into perspective the difference of of how you can feel and how you can express those things you know cool so but (laughs) no this is extremely relevant and i totally i mean i think that it's really beautiful and in my own way I feel like it's really something that I can relate to that using performance to understand that you can sort of have a baseline of a gender identity that that maybe doesn't comport with your body or what people expect of you Mm -hmm. but then you can layer like you may be assigned female at birth and know yourself to be a man or fundamentally masculine Mm -hmm. or butch or whatever and then when you feel comfort with that with community, you feel right. comfort comfort with that in in your art, in your performance life, then all of a sudden all of these like colors or sparkles Precisely, yeah. or flamboyances or or uh, like demarcations of, of feminists, you feel comfortable layering that on top right because you feel seen in that fundamental masculinity. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Precisely, precisely. And that's that's a lot of how I've gotten to this point, actually, is like being able to like assert myself as a man, essentially, yeah. assert myself as a man and then going and doing drag and people seeing it as drag. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like when I put it on, it doesn't look like I'm supposed to be in it. Nece- like, quote unquote, supposed to be in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, um, I see what you mean. Yeah, because yeah. part of the tension of drag is mm-hmm. this person is not supposed to is is being is transgressing right. gender by by wearing something naturally meant for females or whoever uh, yes. exactly yeah. yes or that we would not expect th- that person to be wearing exactly yeah. exactly or yeah. to be even comfortable in you know yeah. and yeah. i think i think that's another thing is that like people don't expect a certain kind of person to be comfortable in a certain kind of clothing and so when you expose this comfort especially in a trans identity with femme clothes and uh, trans masculine identity with feminine clothing i think it confuses people and so that's when you get the are you trans which i got for years it's like are you sure you're trans you <laughs> like are such a pretty girl da, 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 da. and i'm oh, like god i can be pretty and a boy hey I everybody mean- don't say that to me <laughs> truly <laughs> is it psa truly, truly. psa please Please don't say. Are you sure that you're trans? You're so pretty. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, it's like the it's on the same level of like. Are you sure you're a lesbian? You're just such a. You're just so pretty. You're too pretty to be a lesbian. Like, oh, what God. do you mean? Oh, what do you God. mean? 
that that's precisely what I want to be to attract my mate. Why wouldn't <laughs> why wouldn't I want to look pretty? You know, like what do you mean? <laughs> do you not understand mating rituals? <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Oh. But anyway, <laughs> no, yeah, it's okay. Okay, before we even start tumbling down that, I I, I really want to let's go back to your journey, yeah. oh, yes, your drag journey. journey, your gender uh, journey. Yes, <laughs> yes. So in between, like I guess it's the fourth and fifth season. I don't, I don't remember. They all blend together, but. Between the season and so which, you're like in your late teens yes. now. Yeah, yeah. definitely set like eighteen nineteen is when I really started asserting yeah. that I was trans. Yeah, whatever that may entail, you yeah. know. And so, during that time is when I like came to really realize, oh, okay, I could actually do this. Like I started like once I turned eighteen, I started going to drag shows religiously. Like I had a group and of friends. And this is in Florida. Yeah, this is in Tampa, Florida at mm. that time. I came into um, Liquid, uh, R.I.P. Liquid Tampa. Oh, such a fucking good club. Anyway, Liquid Tampa on the Ebor Strip. There was like three clubs. There was G-Bar, Liquid Tampa, and I feel like there was another one, but I cannot remember it off the top of my head. But there was also Hamburger Mary's. So we would get the Rue Girls in to those like... Two, usually just Liquid Tampa and Hamburger Mary's would have the Rue Girls. So before I turned 18, I was seeing Rue Girls at Hamburger Mary's. And then once I turned 18, I was able to go to Liquid Tampa. And so I like started in like seeing the Rue Girls, meeting them all, having conversations with them all, being very excited about the Rue all this. Girls who had competed on RuPaul's yeah, RuPaul's Drag, Drag Race up to yeah. that point. So they would like come on tour and do appearances at drag bars all over the country. Right, yeah. right. And so Liquid Tampa for us in that region was where they would come often. And then my sister was in school in Orlando so from time to time on the weekends I would I would go like visit her and we would see them at Parliament House Orlando or Pulse Orlando and you worked at Pulse I did I did work at Pulse we can come back to that (laughs) gay bars are such an important part of gay culture in small cities like it is so important that those spaces exist and all of their issues all of those spaces are what made me what I am today definitely like they have an extreme part and in what I've what I've become and like so all of those spaces I was seeing all kinds of drag I was seeing pageant drag I was seeing club kid drag uh my first family was the house of infinity so your first your first drag yeah my first drag family was the house of infinity the central florida infinities I met all of them power infinity london infinity so many people and my friends like gustavo who is paradise infinity (laughs) All these names. Anyway, there's so no, many. No, this is yeah. so beautiful. And I feel like, you know, if anybody listening has seen the show Pose and, and realizing, yeah. you know, that that takes place in the very early 80s. But that sort of tradition of queer families centered around community performance yeah. spaces. Yeah. Is, it is a tradition that continues on into the 21st century. Yeah, and it's really crazy. Like, I think back to those times so fondly. Like, one of my, like, my, like, two first fast friends were Gustavo, who's Paradise Infinity, and L Infinity, who is um, Lauren. And we all kind of joined the house around the same time, but we were so close. I was going out with them a lot, and I was going out with Chelsea, who didn't actually join the house with us because she wasn't a performer or anything. She just was really, she was just really about the life, you know. And she's, she's not, she's homo adjacent, but she was so instrumental in all of us being friends. Like, I when I moved to Orlando, I would come and stay at her house for gigs, and she would like drive me there, and I would get her in for free, and I'd buy her a drink or something. But like, she was fantastic but anyway all of these sounds amazing yeah all of these friends were like they were people all people i met and l specifically she she's a trans woman and she really kind of ushered me through talks about my gender because i was just like Mm. i don't know what this means like i'm sure i'm trans but i don't know how to express what kind of trans i Mm. i am Mm. you know what i mean and so we would sit down i'm just so pretty just so freaking pretty (laughs) people keep telling me i shouldn't be so i'm confused (laughs) i got to this point where i finally was like okay i i i'm just gonna i'm just i'm just gonna go with it i'm just gonna go with it and for the in the very first time i bound in public meaning uh Uh, like duct tape my chesticles um <laughs> to my back <laughs> duct tape yeah uh, yeah it was like and it was 
pretty duct tape too. I had like it was like neon with like music notes on it. It was I was just like I'm gonna go for it. Um, the first time I found it, uh, I went to a show at Liquid Tampa, and it was to see Detox for like the third. It was like the third or fourth time I'd seen Detox, so she was starting to remember me. That night was so magical. I felt like me, like from top to bottom. I was mm. had like this really crop. I had the same haircut I have now. I was like, but it was blonde. I was wearing like a blazer and I was bound and I had like these cute leggings on with these cute heels. And I was just like, yeah, I'm fucking weird and that's great. You know what I mean? And can you describe your haircut? Oh right yeah, I, I'm like shaved, like shaved down so close to my scalp. And I had dyed it blonde, like the very, the very millimeter of hair that I had. It's kind of like a Grace Jones look, right? Yeah, Yeah. people, people were very into that, and people were very excited about that. Sounds like a hell of a look. I, I plan on going back to it. Like I realized, like I cut my hair off on Sunday, and I was like, I'm back, I'm back, bitches. Oh my god, you (laughs) know what would be an amazing theme for a show or a party that somebody must have done but i've never heard of it is like everybody dressing as their first queer look oh my god that's fantastic especially if you had like a lot of different look yeah no but especially if you had like a bunch of different people of different generations and then you could see wow that would be insane i think people would lose their shit it would be so funny it would be so adorable because you you can't be you can't be cool about it either you have to be like no like i would uh, you know (laughs) like i'm just gonna come out and say that i i would totally have to dress in my life like ani defranco my like late 90s brown fringy suede that's amazing situation green hair anyway imagine the amount of like flannel we would see there would be a lot of flannel there would be so many flannels i feel like if people were like really going for it we would see some really interesting wigs we would have to yeah or yeah, yeah. people would have to like shave right <laughs> i feel like that's like a pivotal moment for most queers is like i shaved all my hair off or like i shaved the sides of my head i wanted to yeah. i wanted to let go of this like uh, my uh, someone <laughs> someone very close to me loves to sort of pantomime like the first time that she shaved her head just like in college like staring in the mirror being like i hate my family <laughs> <laughs> yes it's so that right the like melodramatic scene in like every like oh my god stella got her groove back-esque oh my film god. <laughs> yes okay so we're gonna plan this baby queer oh dress up as your own baby yes, queer party 1000 percent in the works but so right you now. were telling the story of your sort of like yeah. coming out night you you were you were bound you yeah. uh, you know you were looking really like fly and yes, flamboyant I felt and so great and like detox it was the first time i had been like truly acknowledged by a queen as well nice. like well i mean like i've talked to them before but detox was like when we went up to talk like she like hugged me she was like you're always on the show you're like why i do this Da-da-da-da. like we had oh. this whole conversation and i just like fell in love she was so sweet to me and to this day i'm like the hugest supporter of detox i'm like you are everything you are so good you know what i mean like that totally that's totally me i i like her 100 percent more now yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, and we and we've kept in touch honestly she called me her son at one point like honestly she's been like the biggest thing in my life uh, drag wise despite some of the shit that might come out of RuPaul's Drag Race. Detox is truly the last of the real ones, you know? Word. Word. <laughs> um, so she's she's absolutely fantastic. But yeah, so that was really pivotal for me. Like, I made this whole post on Tumblr. I was like, I felt so real and, like, seen. I felt so Once great. you say it on Tumblr, it's then real. there's no it's going so back. <laughs> that, like, solidified myself. I was like, no, I can do this. It's fine. It's great. It's going to be great. And I started telling my friends. I started, like, actively having that moment with people. And I started doing drag around the same time. Cool. I like won a popular competition in Tampa called Queen of the Night. Nice. After like doing it three times, which was really great. I won this like drag competition that they had at G Bar at the time. So people were like excited about what was happening. And I was very specifically a drag king. Yeah. Because I was like, everybody needs to understand that I'm a dude. It's so interesting too, because like drag 
traditionally, if you mm-hmm. can even say like traditional drag, right? Exactly, is about you are one gender, and then you dress as the opposite the gender opposite because, gender, yeah. as we all know, there's two. So you can be, if you already are one, you can say you're the other, but don't get it all mixed up. Anyway, you know, traditionally, like, a drag queen is a cisgender man who dresses as a woman. And then never the tween shall meet. And never, exactly. (laughs) And then (laughs) never the tween shall shall exist. Significantly less known Mm -hmm. is the concept of the drag king, which is the inverse where a cisgender woman dresses as a man and obviously drag kings have always existed but for many reasons that we can unpack Mm -hmm. drag queens have been more which i'd say baseline misogyny (laughs) (laughs) baseline you said it you're absolutely right we don't even that's it we yeah yeah. (laughs) we did that's it that one cool (laughs) yeah no of course baseline misogyny but that is also interesting because it's it has to do with misogyny but also the idea of drag queens is 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 very transgressive and right. there's to this day and there has been historically an enormous amount of violence directed at drag queens or people who are perceived to be in drag right. and of course a whole like a whole lot of heaping shame which is like a nice like cauldron of homophobia and misogyny and transphobia just right. like throw just keep throwing it all just keep in there it, yeah but especially with drag race yeah today drag queens are more generally like understood as a popular form of entertainment right by the mainstream and even you know, there may be some like nervousness around like the novelty value speaking of of queer spaces right. in in like flyover states or in the south you know people want to go to to drag shows at, with like their bachelorette parties right, to, right, to right. be like titillated and to be like in proximity to that transgression of gender norms but mm-hmm. the, but but it, it there's there's a little bit more safety around enjoying it's like going on safari in queer culture (laughs) right um and you know there there's pros and cons to that just like there's pros and there's pros and cons to like the popularity of drag race because there's probably i don't have any stats in front of me i would imagine in a lot of places there's there's less violence there's less shaming there's less ostracization Mm -hmm. for people who are curious about dressing in drag right. but then that also can kind of like pink wash the but, the fact that there's actually still that there is still violence that there you know it's like it's not like well there's this tv show so like everything's fine right it's like there is a still like an an enormous amount of fear and violence directed at people Entirely. who transgress gender norms whether they're <clears throat> doing it for art on the stage <laughs> or living it in their daily exactly. lives yeah I, w- I would say a lot of, I mean, I still get people when I do a drag king number in the middle of a predominantly drag queen show, there's like, like, come up like a little drunk and a little tipsy. I'm like, I didn't know that it could happen the other way around. Like still people. And I'm like, how, how could you not know? How could you not realize that it goes like, but like what? Also, also drag queen, uh, also drag kings are amazing. Yeah. I love drag kings. They're so, there's such a. Anyway, it ba- it baffles me, but it, yeah, drag kinging. But yeah, I had to like really assert myself as a drag king for a really long time. In fact, I would say for most of my career at this point, I was a drag king, and then only with it because I've been doing it for six years, I think now, yeah. and within only the last three have so it's like now equaling out. Yeah. I've I've been able to do like femme stuff without people going. I mean, there's still like a little head cock, but not not like. Why are you doing that? You know, well, you know, but so then this this is the other interesting thing about the relationship between your gender identity in your performance mm-hmm. and your gender identity off stage, right. off the clock, <laughs> as if you're uh, on yeah. a clock <laughs> and you're getting paid in drink tickets or whatever. Because 
you are a transmasculine person Mm -hmm. and so do you identify as a man i would have said yes Mm. at 20 sure um now whether that would have been for like actual reasons of believing i'm a man or because i was still too confused to really give you the nuances appropriately so i would have just said yes i'm a man yeah now i wouldn't say so like demonstratively that i'm a man so you're mm-hmm. in the I'm defin- non-binary gender yeah. queer gender, gender fluid milieu yeah. but i would say that like the gender fluidity only really comes in when i do drag interesting you know so i'm not like when i get on stage with my tits out i'm like it's because i'm in drag that my tits can be out yeah you know it's, it's like, like you have like built-in falsies exactly exactly yeah. that's yeah. and that's what i honestly tell myself to like circumvent dysphoria and yeah. i think it 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 works in a certain way because i know it's all performative yeah like if anybody ever like really set i think it would s- send me to a certain kind of place if anybody was just like your tits are great like i would be like fuck you i don't have them you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. it would be like very Thank you. Immediate. i bought them at the store exactly yeah, yeah exactly yeah. they are not mine I've, um like i definitely know a lot of trans women who like refer to their attached parts as their strap-on yeah right? like they just have like a like a like a built-in strap-on right exactly so that's that's kind of what they are to me in that but like uh, at home, you know, at home, it's very, like, I'm always wearing a sports bra. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not, like, it's not something that I want to deal with. Um, now, another thing is that, like, I don't have any problem with my netherwares either. Like, mm. my downstairs. Like, I don't have any. <laughs> like, netherwares. Netherwares. I don't have any problem with that. And that's that's another reason that I, I kind of dis disagree on a certain amount of like the I don't know people there there's a certain amount of traditionalism in the binary transitioning transitional you know like transitional identities um where it's like well if you don't want a dick then you're not a dude like okay yeah but also it doesn't matter you know and now it's becoming more of a conversation like uh even like with um Buck Angel, very, very outspoken about that. It's like, I've never needed it and I won't need it. You yeah. know, it's like, it's very nice to hear, to have heard and to hear those words because mm. it validates your identity a lot in that case. Yeah. When what you've been told for a really long time is like, if you believe you're a man, then why don't you do this and why don't you do that? Why don't you, you know? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it's, so it's very, it's very real, I think, to have... Everybody has their own timeline. For me, mm. it took a really long time for me to reconcile the fact that I want to have children mm. from my own ovaries. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I want to have children. I want to. Um, I want to keep everything like kind of where it is, basically. Yeah. Um, but I definitely want chest surgery, and mm, like mm-hmm. that. You know, you know, and I feel like there's just. There's just different dysphorias for everybody. But again, that took so long, like especially in my in that time period. Like I said, like I didn't really use the Internet for anything other than YouTube and Tumblr up to a certain point. Yeah. Um, so there wasn't really any community up until I got on Tumblr at like 18 yeah. to really have that talk through with other people in my situation. So, yeah, it's just like. I think the way it's gone now to where people have this kind of community and have this kind of. Op- these options to talk and option like they, it's like always in their face like if you are following the right hashtags and you're following the right people you have all this information you know and you're like googling the right shit you know yeah. the right buzzwords you have all this shit but like it takes a really long time to feel completely comfortable in yourself um i would say i'm at like peak peak comfortability right now it's <laughs> amazing <laughs> yeah 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 at peak comfortability with all of the tools i have i am at peak comfortability with myself and that's nice um fuck yeah but like i'm about to turn 24 and i came out when i was 18 um you know what i mean and um i came out when i was 18 and even before that i had questions you know like at 16 i was still like i don't know um so (laughs) but i couldn't talk to you know everybody in my 
everybody in my family is cis you know i mean some people are super lucky enough to have like really loving families and have other like gay people or trans people in their family to like kind of go through that um albeit it's rare but like there there was a certain amount of like me coming out was easy as like a lesbian when i thought i was one right. was easy because my aunt was lesbian my sister was lesbian mm. so it, you know there's like certain there are just certain things that like add have to add up in order for you to get to where you are and it, it all did not add up until now for me well i'm here from the future to tell you that <laughs> after 25 you <laughs> stop having any questions and you never quest you never change your feelings about right, sex anything. or your body your body doesn't change it's just nope. frozen <laughs> in stone and so you're you're set mm-hmm. you're set awesome great perfect yeah, cool <laughs> good to know good to know um <laughs> saturn returns and you're just there oh yeah well we can you know you're you're gonna do great you're gonna do great in your center i i have good i i have good feelings for you about your center returns. ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. But here's something that I just really, really want to underscore that I think is so beautiful is the idea that you were a young queer person who discovered all of these modes of performance art. You watched them on TV. You had community Mm -hmm. and, and clubs where you were growing up in Florida and you had a sense that your that your your true gender, the gender that you needed to express, wanted to express, that you didn't feel like you could express through simple mm-hmm. cisgender identity or the gender that was assigned to you at birth. Mm-hmm. And you had the opportunity to explore expressing that gender right. through these modes of performance. And so even as you discovered and realized and began to come out to yourself and to people around you as transmasculine as a trans man as transgender person you were performing as a drag king so you were performing masculinity Mm -hmm. right so you were like performing performing that learning how to make performances out of masculinity on stage Mm -hmm in connection to learning how to express something that was not about art or artifice, not to say everything on stage is artifice, but you know what I mean? That was not, that was, that was about like something. I don't, again, I don't want to say that like something off stage is more true than what's on stage. Cause as we all know, the whole, all the world's a stage, but (laughs) art imitates life. Life imitates art, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also, there can be something, satisfying in a different way maybe a Mm -hmm. deeper way to be recognized as that in your daily mundane life in your private life Mm -hmm. um and so that's interesting that you were coming to a point where your onstage gender was corresponding to your offstage gender so in a way it like in a way it wasn't drag like and, yeah, and, and and the fact that you now have come to the to this place where you can express femininity as a cité bontem is in the more conventional if we can even use that word <laughs> to describe the situation in the more conventional sense is like more like literally drag yeah. because you're a transmasculine person so mm-hmm. when you perform femininity when you put on dresses when you put right. on lashes when you when you like wear like lipstick and glitter and all these things that are like coded as feminine, Mm -hmm. like that is drag. But also once you get into this place of 
performing exaggerated gender. It doesn't even matter what, right? How it corresponds to your gender identity, especially when so your gender important. is fluid. Which is so important. Like it really doesn't matter after a certain point because it's all performance. Guess what? Know? It never matters. Exactly. <laughs> the more you know. Um, but the, I think so. It's funny that we talk about this because for a really long time, I had like I felt like I had to be a drag king because I did not believe in the like bio queen mm. war like. I I hate that word now, but like that femme queen situation as a performance, because right? Like, so which is like, or like fo- like faux queen, it's called right. sometimes, yeah, right? Yeah, faux queen like, well, like or when hyper queen. Si- oh, hyper queen. Hyper queen is the more useful one. Like when when a, a cis woman dresses in like femme drag. drag. Mm-hmm. So so essentially, if you see a drag queen, you know, in a in a gown, gowns, beautiful gowns, R.I.P. Aretha, um, <laughs> uh, you know, or like like the the sort of like sequiny lipsticky wigs, yeah. th- like jewels, etc., heels, etc., etc. Like like for example, like I'm I'm a cis woman, so if I like dressed as like Joan Crawford and right. like lip synced, I will survive. <laughs> which, <laughs> Correct. <laughs> that would be like hyper. That would be hyper queening. Yeah, yeah. So you, I was for a really long time so vehemently against that idea. Thankfully, I ascended because that yes. was such, like when I look back on it, I was like, "You are such a little asshole." Like, Do you think why? that perhaps internalized misogyny? Was oh, entire, entirely, <laughs> yeah. entirely. I was so, I was so about this belief that like drag queens were this and like masculine features turning into like feminine features was the art form so if you did that as someone who was born with feminine features it took takes out all the art like i was vehemently against the idea of of hyper queens and we, so see, i mean this is just an illustration of the fact that like it's sort of that attitude is like the same as like you're you're too pretty to be a lesbian yes, right it's yes, like it's yes. like okay I'm willing to accept that we're changing the rules, but I need you to tell me what the new rules are. Yeah. <laughs> we need to have new rules. Yes, yes. And they need to, those can't change. I can right. only change once. <laughs> once is it. That's all I got. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and um, and I don't, like, I, I still couldn't tell you. Yeah, I, I would say internalized misogyny because I all, anything, all I wanted to be growing up was a drag queen. Like right. that's all I wanted to be, but I knew my body did not lend itself to that because all I knew was uh. cis, you know, all I knew was cis males turn like turn in femme, you know, right. that's all I knew. And so when I, I guess also part of it was when I would see like cis women or AFAB people do it, I was like, why can't I do that? And I'm mad at you for doing it. You know what I mean? And I just don't feel resentment. Yeah. yeah, it's like I think it all swirled into a nice little cocktail of like terrible ideals you know <laughs> um well so, we all we all you know we yeah. learn we learn and grow and ascend yeah. as, you, yeah, exactly. as you said yeah there are so many talented just just side note there are so many talented hyper queens out there violet tendency pureta victory venus envy fantastic just to name a couple that are in my personal femme group uh friend group um fantastic fantastic people and they do the art form to to a degree that I couldn't, I couldn't have, you know, until yeah. now, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, and then yeah. they, they just slipped right into it and found this like wonderful cross section that is still undervalued, still really undervalued. And, um, I just, I, I believe in raising them up. They Hell should yeah. be raised up very much. Yeah. So I was so against that. And so like, I was like doing drag kinging, but like, it felt like me on stage. So after a while mm. I couldn't, really do it without feeling intensely vulnerable like huh it because it just did it feel good no Mm. because i was sometimes feeling vulnerable on stage yeah i mean like i do like being vulnerable on stage but there's also a sense of performance that i like about drag that like i can't reach if i'm like oh this is just me like you're just looking at me lip sync you know or you're just looking at me do this number yeah and it like it it bothered me so much and like now i've kind of slipped into it a situation where like when I put on makeup I don't feel like I look like me to a certain extent mm-hmm, anymore mm-hmm. there's a time between moving from, from Orlando to New York that I had to like stop because it was just too much to do like I couldn't do it and like you I had also to stop performing yeah, yeah 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 I stopped performing for like a like a while not only because I couldn't really 
I couldn't really do it. Like I couldn't really go out to nights and like yeah. really offer myself in that way. And I wasn't being like, I wasn't being seen in the way I was just super depressed as well. I was like, wasn't being seen in the way I wanted. I wasn't being like, you know, I had, I had all the, and I had all this drama surrounding me. It was just really difficult to even step into a club because there was just so much happening. Yeah. Um, and that's also around the time that pulse, happened as well yeah so it was just all very difficult like i wanted i wanted and even after that like i wanted to perform and use the performance that i had to like gain like money and stuff for like the for like the reparations that we could provide you know i wanted to use myself to do that but to I, the families mm-hmm. and the exactly. victims of the pulse nightclub exactly, massacre exactly um but i couldn't you know i just couldn't and like no and again i I had like an adverse re- I had a different reaction than everybody did in that community. This is the first time I've talked about this with <laughs> anybody outside of, outside my friend circle, so excuse me if I get a little No, please. I felt the most alone I had ever felt in that community in that time after the massacre. Yeah. So I couldn't even if I did go out like I went out once for this like they had like a benefit show that lasted like hours at southern nice orlando afterwards mm. and i went out and i was like with everybody and i was like talking to everybody and i was kind of like seeing everybody but i was like in a bubble yeah and at that time i was also kind of like losing friends mm. i was like it was a it was the transition was so intense from Like, I just, because I went from being, like, very about the community, and then I went to being kind of tangential as a person, because I just wasn't interacting as much, and then I moved into just not feeling like I was there anymore. Yeah. In Florida. Yeah, in Florida. When I was in, when I, it was, like, near the time I was moving to New York, the loneliness was so intense, and, like, I had no, I had no, like, push to perform and push to, you know, I just didn't feel it. And I, I don't know. Yeah, I just couldn't, I couldn't do anything there anymore. Like, I had, I had reached a peak. And I still have, like, I still have good fam, like, family, um, like, bonds with certain people there. And I would never, like, forsake that. But at the time, there was just no one for me to talk to. Yeah. And I was. I, cu- I couldn't do anything. I mean, thank you for, for mm-hmm. speaking to that and talking mm-hmm. about it. I mean, I think that that's one of the ways that grief can manifest, especially mm-hmm. when it's grief that is not only connected to maybe losing individuals that you knew mm-hmm. or losing uh, knowing that a space that y- has meant so much to you is never going to be the same, but also... Yeah realizing the reverberations of what fear and hate no i'm getting emotional too (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah um of of what of of what forms homophobia can take and when spaces feel like spaces of affirmation and joy and creativity and pleasure and sex Mm -hmm. and connection and music and love and then it was ripped away. It was, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. but it, and 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 in and in that time, you can feel like, how can this ever be regenerated? Yeah, I I feel like I I usually don't talk about this because I feel like you kind of you uh, can't help but make it it can't help but feel like um centering tragedy around myself and it it, it and that really frustrates me like broadly and personally like i know that like there's a certain like you have like feelings are valid but like it's hard to internalize that you know in this particular case for me because people lost so much more than me in that situation but um nobody's competing though yeah yeah it's true but it's just like when you have like that was my last thread was pulse Mm. that was a place that even like even in um like feeling lonely or anything like if i went to pulse on a tuesday or i was working there like i i worked with um 
I worked on like Tease Thursdays, which was a friend of mine's night, and I was on the rotating cast. Um, and actually, the Thursday after <laughs> it happened, I was supposed to have a gig there. Um, I was just, I felt I could feel I could feel the like threads of like why I started it and why I did it and why I wanted to be in that space because I had I had grown up with it in a very real way. <laughs> Um, or come into my queer maturity in that space, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I, th- I think when that, when that was gone, everything else kind of fell apart as far as what I, you know, was kind of latching onto. And so in a multitude of ways, but especially like, but in that way as well, moving to New York was great because I could just... I was I was out of that space then like and I could kind of recalibrate past that and it's not to forget or get, not give reference to that time but it was just so I was crying like every single night I was yeah. having like a, like I could I could not function yeah for a while yeah you know and it was it was extremely difficult it was extremely difficult but again it was like part of part of the part of the journey part of the next step yeah (laughs) also new york is filled with people who are coming together bringing together threads of all of these different places where all kinds of trauma has has occurred not that trauma can't happen to us here it definitely can (laughs) but hearing you talk about it makes me feel a lot of love for New York as a place that people can come and be like, I'm so fucked up from everything that has happened in my life and everyone's like, literally join the club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm-hmm. 